0: Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Good morning. I have a younger brother called Wes, Wesley. I used to call him Wes. Just used to annoy him, I think. So it's what we called him. And now everyone calls him Wes, which is great. Um, He lives in Noosa, so I don't get to see him very often, but as a kid, him and I did everything together. We're about three and a half years difference in age, and we did everything. Um, you know, we, every day we'd be out playing sport together. We'd, if it was a wet day, we'd go into the kitchen, grab some of mum's oven mitts, and have a full-on boxing match. It was full-on. Uh, we'd roam the streets on our BMXs, um, used to take out my BB slug gun and go down the street and just shoot things. I'm glad we can't do that anymore here in Australia, but they're the sort of things we used to do. Um, But overall, we got along really, really well. The only thing that we couldn't do was give each other praise. Um, When we'd go golfing, if I hit a really good shot, I'd say, did you see that? He's like, no. No, I didn't see it. But if I shank one into the lake, he saw that, didn't he? <laughs> and I'd do the same. We were terrible at that. We could not give each other praise. But that's brothers for you. You know, Jesus had a half-brother called James. And James, I think, was a pretty typical brother. And he didn't do any favours for Jesus. Like, he saw him like a brother. And so it's no surprise that James was not buying the story that Jesus is God. He is not buying the story that my brother is actually God. You know, I can just imagine Jesus traveling around. He's, he's telling the people, you know, I'm the son of God. And this information eventually gets back to James. And, and they're like, hey, James, have you heard the news? Like, your brother, he's, he's telling everyone he's God. And James is like, you know, there's no surprise there. But... <laughs> No, no, no. He actually thinks he's God. He actually believes this. He truly believes that he is the God of the universe. I can just imagine James being like, really? Oh, that's hilarious. Like, yeah, he's delusional. It says in John 7, 5, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. They didn't believe it. I mean, if my brother came and told me he was God, I'd go, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yet years later, in Acts one fourteen, after Jesus' return to heaven, it says, The apostles all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. You know, something happened to James. Something changed him. He's gone from not believing that Jesus is Christ, to all of a sudden now he's there and he's fully in on this. What? Why? What has changed? Why is all of a sudden now James a believer? And I I believe it probably comes, you know, the evidence is here in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, Christ died for our sins just as the Scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Now, James knew his brother. You know, if, if I come across my brother in the street, There's no mistaking who my brother is. Straight away, there's no one that's even going to... There is a footballer that looks a bit like him, actually, plays for the Brisbane Lions, but I can still tell it's not my brother straight away. Your brother knows your brother very, very well. And he would have seen the marks on his hands and the holes in his feet where he'd been crucified. And at that point, I believe he would have gone, wow, he truly was crucified. My brother was, is God. James went on to become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he was a key leader in the early church movement. It says in Galatians 2, in fact, James, Peter and John, who were known as pillars of the church. Now, James is this really powerful figure now. He, he was a witness to the resurrected Christ. And remember, he was a sceptic. He didn't actually believe it because he knew his brother. And the Pharisees hated the influence this man's testimony had. They hated it so much that eventually in 62 AD, the high priest had him thrown from the top of the temple, from the spire, thrown to the ground, and then they beat him to death. That was in 62 AD. But today we start a five-week series on the book of James. James wrote this book when he was the pastor at the Jerusalem church. We're not going to be going through the book. There is way too much for us to cover in five morning sessions. But I'm just going to take a small passage from chapter one. And next week, someone else is going to do it from chapter two, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, over these five weeks. But I'd encourage you to each week, like, like yesterday, be reading James chapter 1. And hopefully some of you did. If you're on our Bible reading plan um, on our app, you can get on there. Click on reflect and you'll see that yesterday we were reading James chapter 1. James wrote this book to the Jewish Christians that were living outside of Palestine. So this was for the Jews that are, that are away. And like all the letters in the NT, in the New Testament, it had a main purpose. The end of the day these jewish christians had a lot of problems a lot of problems they had problems in their personal lives they had problems at church they weren't practicing what they were preaching they were gossiping a lot they were slandering in the church they were creating horrible disunity and so some were starting to not even go to church and not surprisingly some were now starting to neglect neglect their relationship with god Now, I know that sort of thing would never happen today. Would it? But to summarise it, James is dealing with spiritual maturity because there's Christians that were just not growing up. And these problems that James wrote about nearly 2,000 years ago, interestingly, are pretty much the same problems that the church sees today. There are so many things over these five chapters that James deal with. And I have to warn you, he doesn't pull punches. James is a very blunt man. Very, very You might know blunt people that you think, oh, gee, why don't they could say that a bit, a bit more sugar with that? Not James. He'll tell you how it is. So at times it's going to be in your face. But the stuff that James has to say is so good. So with so many different things that James has got on his heart that he wants to share with these Jewish Christians that need to hear some, some pretty solid words, it's interesting to note the first thing he chooses to address. And that first thing he addresses is the one we're going to look at today, the first thing he decides to write to them about. And pretty much to summarise it, it's when trouble comes, what should we do? And his answer can be summarised in two words, make lemonade. That's pretty much it. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Believe it or not, that is actually a biblical principle. It is, he doesn't say the words make lemonade, don't go looking for that. But the point is, that's the spirit of what he's actually saying. When life gives you lemons, you go and make lemonade. It is a biblical principle. If you're in a bad situation, how many times in the Bible do we read that people then make the most of that situation? That's making lemonade. You know, Moses and the Israelites, they are trapped by the Egyptians at the edge of the Red Sea. They've got a lemon of a situation. It's a bad situation. But what does he do? He makes the most of it. Moses parts the water. He makes lemonade. Samson is blinded and in chains. Everything's gone wrong for Samson. It's all his fault, but everything has gone wrong. He's in the worst possible situation. He's got a lemon going on of a situation. But you know what? He makes lemonade. He asks God, just give me strength one more time. And he pushes over the pillars in the temple, destroying the oppressive Philistine leadership. We've got this little David. Little David. Just a little boy, like Nick. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> no, we got little David. And he's, you know, that's a bit of a lemon just in that. And he's got, he's got some little stones. There's another lemon of a situation. And he's up against Goliath. And Goliath is like, he's the biggest dude you're going to see around. He's got a lemon of a situation, but out of that, He makes lemonade. He drops that giant. Paul and Silas are in prison. Why? Because they're Christians. That's a lemon of a situation. And prisons, they're nothing like the prisons you and I know. We've been through this before. Prisons there are horrible. They are dark, wet, moldy, smelly, putrid situations. And they start worshipping God. Even though they've got this lemon of a situation and it leads to the earthquake, the prisoners are all freed, but these guys stay. And the jailer is amazed. That, that Paul and that haven't run away as well and, and he wants to know more about it and in the end, Paul leads this guy to, to become, and his whole family to become Christians. He is lemons becoming lemonade. This stuff is throughout the Bible. I don't need to tell you this. Lemons to lemonade, it's a biblical principle. Where there were certain defeats, they become wins. Troubles are turned into triumphs. Um, victims become victors. And let's not forget our own Jesus Christ. What a lemon of a situation when he's on the cross. But that's not where it ends. James says it can be the same for us. No matter how bad, no matter how bad your situation is, good can come from it. You can still make lemonade. But James says, if you're going to do this, you've got to get the ingredients right. And before I reveal those ingredients, I just want to start with James chapter one, verse two. It says, "Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any time of any kind come your way, it's really important this, because this is showing that this is relevant to all of us. The word "when" makes it relevant to all of us. not if it's when." when troubles of any kind come your way when trouble comes not if it's saying expect them it's best to be ready for them cuz at some point you're going to get it and jesus told his disciples here on earth you you will have many trials and sorrows jesus is saying the same message you will there will come a point in your life where you will have trials And sorrows, You know, Christianity does not offer a way for you and I to escape our problems. We've always preached that from here. We've never said, become a Christian, join Port Life, your life life will be awesome. Nothing will ever go wrong in your life again. I've never said that. I'm not going to spread that sort of false doctrine with you. Christianity does not offer a way to escape problems. But I will tell you what it does do. It offers an opportunity to grow despite them. Not everything is going to go your way. Most of us are going to get sick at some point. Some of us are going to have major accidents. We will be disappointed and hurt by loved ones at some point. Some loved one is going to do the wrong thing by you. We will experience some bad luck just where you go, well, it wasn't deserved, but it just happened to me. And at times you're going to think, I must be cursed because this doesn't make any sense. Why has this happened? We, and we should also just expect pain just for being a Christian. People are going to judge you and they're going to say hurtful things. They're going to laugh at you or reject you or treat you differently just because you've chosen to follow Jesus. In 1 Peter 4, it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partner with Christ in his suffering, so that you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. And here we have our first ingredient that I want to go through this morning with you, and that is the first of four ingredients that James talks about here when we're going through trials, and the first one is joy. In James 1-2, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity For great joy. When trouble comes, you will clearly see all the bad in the situation. It won't be hard. That'll be the easy bit. It'll be very easy for you to see all the bad. James says, I've got some advice for you. I want you to try and look for the joy. Find things to be joyful for, despite what's going on continually remind yourself of what God has done for you, how good he is to you and what he has got for you in the future. What got Jesus through his worst day on earth? It's joy. Look at Hebrews 12. It says, Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. It was joy that got him through You know, I'm sure that Jesus at that point did not feel like focusing on joy. It's not a feeling situation, but he knew it was the only way he was going to get through. So in tough times, it's really important that we look for joy. I've seen people in situations where they're really bad situations, but they can't. Find any joy in it. And when you're in a position where all you can see is the bad, it it is really hard to get yourself out of that position. It is really hard to find any positives if you don't have any joy, anything to be joyful for. So in tough times, we have to look for joy. You know, Job went through more troubles than most people, I would say. If you're not sure what that is, read the book of Job. And yet throughout it, he refused to blame God. He praised him most of the time instead. And so despite his circumstances, Job thrived because he had joy. So when trouble comes, the first point that James says is look for joy because without it, you can't make lemonade. The second ingredient is tests. Now, tests are difficult or painful experiences. That's what I mean by a test and each tests we go through we grow a little you know as a teacher when I was a teacher prior to going into ministry I remember I still remember and if there are teachers in the room here you probably do too I still remember that first time that I was responsible for the class I don't know if you guys as teachers can remember this and it's quite daunting because up until that point you've never really known who's going to be in charge of that room until you've put yourself, and there's no more prep teachers, it's, there's no more uh, supervising teachers, it's just you and your class, and you have to be in control. I can tell you that my first day, oh, I probably made a few mistakes. I probably started out and I'm thinking, you know, I'm right, I, I don't want to come across as being horrible, but at the same time, I've got to be careful not to let them, you know, get, get, get away too far. And, you know, I probably had a situation where you got one talking and you went, "Okay, well, they're just talking fairly quietly. I'll let that go. And then they start talking to the next person and that person talks to that person. Now I've got three people talking. Maybe I should say something. I'll say something in a minute. And three goes to six, goes to 12, goes to 24 and you've got the whole class and you're like, oh, my goodness, that escalated quickly. (laughs) Um, I need everyone, please be quiet. It's it's so hard when there's 24 going... You fast forward to like your hundredth time in that room, you are the boss. You run that show, you know, you get a brand new class in, it's like, <laughs> the moment they tell they you are on them, bang. Get them right from the beginning. I've got them, you know, you, you come to me if you little, they come to me, you know, crying, oh, I couldn't get my assignment done. Sorry, dear, tears don't work with me. They worked a few times, but I soon learned this is not real, genuine issues. You can turn those things off, please. You very quickly, very quickly, with a few tests, we learn what works and what does not work. And I tell you what, initially, though, oh, you make some mistakes and you go home and you think, oh, why did I do it that way? I should have done a different way. But as time goes by, the more tests you go through, the more you get I know how to control this group. And I think it's the same for all of us. James 1.3 says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When our faith isn't being tested, the answer is we're not growing. If you are not letting your faith be tested, you will not grow. Tests produce endurance. Tests develop us. Um, They basically help us to keep living for God to endure despite our circumstances. Romans 5 says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You know, endurance is not accepting the fact that life sucks. That's not what it's about. It is to patiently follow God despite the fact that you are suffering. And we need to understand that faith and endurance go together. Hebrews 6.12 says, Follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. The way God develops patience and endurance in us is through trials. You know, you can't develop endurance by reading a book on it or by listening to a sermon or even by praying. Endurance occurs when you and I go through the challenges of life and we trust God in those times and we obey him. And they're the times that you are going to grow in godly character. 2 Corinthians 4 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us, our troubles produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Our troubles... Our trials, they work for us, not against us. You know, you'll find that God likes to test our faith because it brings out the best in us. And I think we get it confused sometimes because Satan will tempt our faith and that brings out the worst in us. So temptation is something that's working against us, but I believe that testing actually works for us. Peter said in 1 Peter 1:7, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So, the second ingredient, I believe, is we have to be prepared to go through trials. So when you are going through trials, there are some positives to that, as awful as it might seem. The third ingredient, I've just called it let. James 1.4 says, So let it grow. I could sing a song, but I won't. No, I won't do it. I don't know what song I'd sing anyway. So... For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You can either prevent growth or let it take place. You know, it may be a surprise to some of you, but I don't actually want my kids to drown. (laughs) Here are my options. That was a bad joke, wasn't it? Okay, here are my options. Number one, I don't want my kids to drown. Number one, I keep them away from water. And if I do that, they won't drown, but I will prevent them from growing. Or number two, I put them in situations where they can learn to swim. In other words, I let them grow. So, of course, I'll always choose number two. Because one day, when they're in trouble, and they fall in a pool or a river... You hope that they've gone through number two so that they have all that they need to be able to dominate the situation that comes up in the future. And I believe that that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be developed spiritually to the point that we have all we need to be able to dominate whatever trouble comes our way. It's okay to have trouble, but how good is it when you can dominate it? And people are amazed going, how? I don't know how you're doing this with all that you're going through. Well, that's God God can help you to dominate it's why Jesus spent three years training his disciples before he let them loose into ministry can you imagine if he just let them loose these guys that he just met and took aside and gave them a couple of week quick course and then he let them go what would have happened the first time that they came across the first people who wanted to kill them I would imagine that some of them would have run because they were not ready He needed to equip them. He needed to grow them spiritually. And he did it through tests and trials. We can read about them all in the Gospels. How many times did Jesus put them under tests and trials to keep trying to grow their faith? And all he needed from them was a willingness to let him grow them. I think that God can't really do all his work in us without our consent. We have to actually let God do the work. I remember when Jonah didn't let God do the work in him that he wanted to. God said to him, go and preach, go to Nineveh. You need to tell them, I'm going to destroy them because of how bad they've been. He refused. He said, I'm not going to do that. No way. So God disciplined him as we know and he put him in time out for three days in a big fish. Until eventually he went, okay, this is actually a pretty bad situation. Don't know what that feels like. But he's like, all right, God, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll go. So he started doing what God wanted. But it wasn't from a heart that said, God, grow me. It was more of a reluctant heart. And so he didn't actually spiritually grow from that experience. And we know this because you get to the last chapter of Jonah. It's pretty sad. He's sitting outside the city. And he's sooking, he's whinging at God, he's like, I knew you were loving, you mutt, I knew you were compassionate, how dare you, you send me, you make me go there, you make me risk my life, telling him that they're all going to die, that you're going to do this, and and then you don't do it, making me look to look like a liar. Of course God had just shown great grace and compassion but he couldn't see that. I knew you wouldn't destroy the people. And he gets angry at the sun, gets angry at the wind, he gets angry at a plant, and you know things are low, he gets angry at a worm. (laughs) Have you ever got angry at a worm? If you have, you need anger management. (laughs) But Jonah didn't mature. He was a spiritual baby. God's trying to wean him off his selfish attitudes and his ways so that he could spiritually grow up. But he didn't let God do that. So he paid the price. The more we let God work in our lives, the more we let it happen, the more Christ-like we become. But we've got to let it happen. If we resist, it's a bit more like a, a Jonah. The last ingredient I want to look at today is faith. In James 1, 5 to 8, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. You know, the people that James wrote this to also had problems praying. You see this in James 4. He says, Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what gives you pleasure. What should we be praying for? Well, I think James makes it pretty clear. You know, a good starting point, pray for wisdom. You know, some of the most educated people in the world make some of the dumbest decisions. Um, I've spent a fair bit of time in the Northern Territory and in, in, in Queensland and those fools that brought cane toads in in August 1935 have a lot to answer for. Those scientists that said we've got to do something with that beetle, with the cane beetle, let's bring in the toads, they are a disaster now all across the Top End. In 1976, a guy called Ronald Wayne, you probably don't know of this guy. Some of you might have heard of this guy. He was one of the three people that founded Apple, the company. And he was a smaller player, so he only had 10% of the company. After 12 days of the company forming, he sold his share for $800. His share is now worth $227 billion. Wow. I bet he sleeps well. Some people pay people a lot of money to be professionals at um, marketing, but I think this person won't have a job after this particular one. It says at the bottom, when you wanna be sure. It's, a, it's an advertisement to, ch- to check if you're pregnant or not. I mean, I'm no doctor, but I reckon I could work that one out. One of the greatest Indigenous players in the modern era is Andrew McLeod. He's a Games record holder for Adelaide. He's a three-time best and fairest winner. Two-time, he's got two premierships, two Norm Smith medals, which means he was the best player in the grand final for two years in a row. Five times he's All-Australian. He's in the Indigenous team of the century. And the question is, how did Adelaide get him? When he was a teenager, Fremantle traded him as a swap for a guy called Chris Groom, who went on to play seven games for Fremantle. Allade got him. Went on to be their best player of all time. Sometimes having wisdom can make a huge difference. Why do we need wisdom when we're going through trials, you might be thinking. Like, surely, if I'm going through a really hard time, Do I really, the first thing, do I really think I should pray for wisdom? Like, wouldn't it be better to ask God for strength or for grace? Or wouldn't it be better to say, Lord, can you help me get out of this situation? Like, why why, why would I ask for wisdom? I believe that we should pray for wisdom so that we don't waste an opportunity that God is giving for us to grow. Wisdom helps us to understand how we can best use the trials and the troubles that we are in it's a different way to look at it isn't it you know no matter what happens i've got this lemon of a situation that my life is in no matter what happens this is a terrible situation my life is in that's not going to necessarily change but i'll tell you what can change lord i've seen you do it in the bible so many times where you take a lemon and you make lemonade. How can you make lemonade out of my situation? Because that's what I'd love to do. It may not personally benefit me, but if that helps five other people, it's well worth it. How do I take the lemon and make lemonade? Lord, give me wisdom. How do I do this? When we go through... We tend to ask God to rescue us or to strengthen us. And and that's okay. It's okay to pray for those things. But the thing is that that's not going to develop us. That will not develop us. We need to pray for wisdom. When you're going through trials, in verse 5, James tells us what to ask for. Ask for wisdom. And in verse 6, he says how to ask. In verse 6, he says, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. When you ask, ask in faith, believing that God alone has the answers, all the answers. James also says, do not waver. For a person with divided loyalties is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. You know, here we have a picture of a Christian that lacks faith. They're like waves, you know, one minute they're up, one minute they're down. By faith they say, yes, I'm going to do this thing that God's calling me to do. And then doubt or unbelief comes and they're like, actually, I can't do it anymore. Sorry. I was going to, but I can't because of this or that. It's all up and down. Remember when Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to grow? Peter's on the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter wants to grow. That's great. Says, Jesus, just tell me. Give me the word. I'll I will walk out to you if you'll let me. Put me under this trial. I want to grow. Give me a chance. He's letting God work in his life. Jesus says, All right then, I'm up for this. Come. Peter comes, and amazingly, Peter is walking on water. But interestingly, he's still not, he still hasn't fully matured yet. Because the moment that wind picks up. His faith is pushed aside and he goes straight to that point of unbelief. Uh-oh, I'm gonna sink. And Peter sinks. But of course, as per usual, even when we put ourselves out there, God rescues us, just like he did Peter. When we ask God for help during our troubles, we have to put our faith in God. We have to then do what he says. We have to trust him in his ways. You know, i believe this is real wisdom because god knows what is best for you and for me he knows what is best we just have to have a strong belief that god does know best so i'm just going to do what he says you know james one is really about maturing us as christians as long as you and i are on this earth as i think you've seen this morning We are going to have trials. They are going to be unavoidable. We are going to have troubles. They will be unavoidable. We are going to have sorrows. You are possibly going to get your heart broken. You are going to have things happen to you that are completely unfair. Those things will not go away. And Jesus never said they would go away. But if we make the decision to no matter what, be joyful see tests as growth opportunities let God work in us and have faith in God alone if we do these things these four things here's the result rather than suck on lemons each day we can make lemonade we can take awful situations and they can be really really awful and we can allow God to turn them into awesome situations James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. He blesses those who patiently endure it. I know people in this church that are patiently enduring it. I haven't had to go through a tenth of what people in this church have had to go through. But this, this is for you guys, particularly those of you that have been really sick. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. After, Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That is where you can get your joy from, knowing what is coming for you. There's always something for us to be joyful for. All that God has done for us man, you take away the joy in your life, you've got nothing. Got to keep the joy, no matter what we are going through. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you this morning that you are a personal God who is with us no matter what we are going through, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are. Lord, you are with us every step of the way. Lord, We know that you don't cause all the bad things to happen to us. But Lord, we know that because of sin and because of the way the corruption in the world now, Lord, bad things happen to everybody. This is just a part of the fallen world. But Lord, I love the fact that despite that, you have a way to give us joy. You have a way to take our lemon of situations and to make lemonade. And Lord, I would pray this morning, that for people that are feeling that right now that that are in these situations Lord where they go yep I know what he's talking about I am suffering, I am in a trial I am going through some troubles right now maybe you've been going through this for years months or even just it started last week but Lord I pray this morning that we would apply those four points that James gave to us and first and foremost Lord may we have joy despite our circumstances Lord may we find joy knowing that we are going to spend eternity with you knowing that we are going to be blessed in ways we can only imagine Lord I thank you for that Lord I pray that we'd be open to the tests that you want to allow us to work through Lord may we see them in a new way may we see them as great opportunities for us to grow in you Lord, help us to let you have your way in our lives. Help us to be able to do that. And Lord, finally, may we always keep our faith in you alone. May we not look to other things to solve these problems. May we may we go to you. And Lord, ask for you for wisdom, what to do in this situation, so that our lemon does make... To this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.